0: Brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Cause that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smokin' host, the good old boys.
1: it's sipping time oh it's definitely swip sipping time today out west hey it's good old boy mike here they don't talk like that in the west do they <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey welcome maybe to this west Sips virginia episode. i don't know <laughs> <clears throat> yeah i know it's some some place out yonder Welcome to the Sips episode, where everything good in life is worth discussing. I'm one of your hosts here at the table today, good old boy Mike. Joining me here at the table is good old boy Jason. Good to be here. And good old Beast. Thanks for having me. Good to meet you guys. And Made Man Bob. Always a pleasure to be here. Now, Stephen the Beast has a blog called Smokey Beast with hundreds of whiskey reviews. And Bob is joining us again from the Bourbon Mafia both of which we'll hear more about at the end of the show today. While our Sip Segments are all about wine, distilled spirits, tea, and coffee, this episode today is all about High West out of Park City, Utah. Yee-haw, An hi- excellent flight of six of their products to discuss today. We have six great products from High West. They are Boo rai Campfire, Rendezvous, American Prairie, Double Rye, and Midwinter's Night's Dram. Those are the products we're going to talk about on today's Sips show. Now, High West makes about 15 products currently on the market, so this is just a sample of everything that they make. We're going to give you some background on High West and then taste and rate these products for you today. Probably some tough Western talk just to make it interesting for all you city folks, too.
0: Well, Made Man Bob is going to talk about High West Distillery for y'all. I'm happy to. Uh, High West was started by David Perkins. Uh, David was a former biochemist uh, with a passion for cooking in the American West. Uh, David graduated with a degree in biochemistry and worked for Pfizer and Amgen before deciding to leave his job in the biotech industry and started distillery, which... I'm waiting to stop my legal job and start a distillery. Um, He wanted to make Western whiskey. Um, His wife apparently also had some family uh, who helped start up one of the larger distilleries in the eastern half around the uh, 1900s. In 2007, after going through Utah's complex licensing process, uh, David's dream became true, in High West Distillery is that
1: a blood sample and a marriage certificate?
0: Lord only knows. Uh, I, <laughs> a sign from God. <laughs> in my day job, I, I, you know, for fun, we'll read dramslapbacks in different states, and it's just they're all over the place. It's it's insane. Uh, David's dream came true back in 2007. He started High West Distillery and Saloon. It's uh, in Park City. It was its first legal distillery since 1870. Uh, it's an old town park city. Uh, you can actually ski into the place. Really neat place. Uh, with a 250-gallon pot still. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry. You said a ski-in distillery. Yep. <laughs> it's right It's right at the base of the mountain. <laughs> Oh, come on, hey, wow. skiing is an excuse to get drunk and drunk is an excuse to skiing, so I agree. Those are two things that should always be welded together exactly. So uh, um, they started. There's a lot of news distilleries do by sourcing age product from distilleries such as LDI, which is now MGP and L N O P uh you trying to keep up with the names, uh but they're out of Lordsburg, the former Seagram's man, <coughs> uh to fill in the gap where they're waiting for their own product to mature. But they did more than just bottle it, which you know a lot of people have done, uh, they actually, uh, you know, they've actually been doing a lot of work with it, with with a background and experimentation. David started doing just that, experimenting with the whiskeys at hand to see if he could make a product that the whole was better than the sum of its parts. Uh, blending different whiskeys to come up with something of their own with a unique flavor profile, much like the master blenders of Scotland.
1: Now wait, <clears throat> I'm sorry, you said master blenders of Scotland, and whiskey and you're in you're in where you're in utah i thought Park we City. were actually exporting the practice of blending whiskey to canadians eh <laughs>
0: yeah, you know nothing wrong with blended whiskey uh, there's there's plenty of good stuff out there um <laughs> In recognition of their efforts, High West was named the 2011 Whiskey Pioneer of the Year by Whiskey Advocate magazine. Uh, In addition to using sources of whiskey, they've also been distilling their own for a little over five years and should have, uh, from some inside information they gave me, a a natural release of their own in-house made spirit within about the next year or so. Uh, They're also producing a growing line of other products. They make a vodka. They make a couple of different brandies. Um, They also do barrel-aged cocktails. Uh, They do a a barrel-aged Manhattan and a barrel-aged Boulevardier that is really damn good. Apparently, this plan's worked for High West. They've grown by leaps and bounds to the point that they've outgrown that facility. Um, They've opened a second larger facility uh, just outside the Park City area at a uh, 3,500-acre cattle ranch uh, called Blue Sky. Uh, The new distillery is 20,000 square feet and boasts a new uh, 1,600-gallon copper pot skill that uh, was made in Scotland. Uh, It's currently up and running, and they have an opening date for the public of september night. it's going to be a big party um there's also a visitor center very large gift shop tasting room private meeting rooms they've got a whole nother restaurant there very very nice facility um uh, i've seen uh, on their website they have a uh, drone flyover. You know, really really pretty country
2: <laughs> hmm
1: so borrowed whiskey well shoot fire they's not the only one doing that hey they good old boy jason <laughs> no
3: um So Mike and I covered all things MGP on another episode. And although High West was not part of the lineup, we covered a broad range of products distilled at MGP. Several of which are in similar situations of waiting for their own whiskey to mature. Maybe we can revisit some of these brands after they changed to see if the quality changed either got better or worse.
1: Mm. Well, you know, this uh, this whole story is really a bit of a quagmire, you know, all the way around. I mean, um, just a lot of blending going on. I mean, I think probably the thing is the location is a very strange part of the story. I mean, why the desert? I, I can't figure out why Park City, you know, it's just Utah in general is not a friendly, you know, state for alcohol related uh you know, industry.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's definitely a very arduous, um, you know, permitting process. And I'm really familiar with, you know, the ski in, in ski out. Was a there, I maybe? can't even imagine what it takes to make al- alcohol in Utah itself. Um, and the climate just doesn't make any sense either.
3: Yeah. I mean, you would think that they would have a hard time <laughs> making alcohol there with the high temperature and high altitude.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 the the old distilleries at exactly seven thousand feet. That's their vodka's named like seven thousand. So I mean, they're they're pretty high up. But I don't know. Once you find a place you like, if it's just the place you like, well, you know, I guess you go through hell or high water to do what you want to do there. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's just uh, <clears throat> really it's a an, a bit of a, an anomaly, um, I think, for the location. I've got to believe there's a family connection, or he just, you know, loves the, you know, loves that part of the country and looked around and said, hey, nobody else is making a distillery hey, right at the sound. bottom of a ski lift, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Lack of competition. I mean, yeah. yeah you know, <clears throat> isn't that the uh, uh, Business 101? See a need, fill a need, yeah. you know, that's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, I I had to believe that that was the first part of the equation. I agree with Beast that you know that was that was a key part of the uh, whole geography. You know, going all right, just just back it up right to the end of the ski lift. You know, just a little bit further, boys. All right, set the still down right here. Well, you know the the product line for High West is really vast, um, and you know they really have a lot of things that you're you know making with uh mgp can actually be you know quite a challenge i mean um you know do you think that david will bring all of those products in house um or do you like one at a time or it depends on kind of where you know things are maturing i mean i know that all of you have watched a lot of distilleries kind of go through that transition point um you know moving between doing something you know either on contract with MGP or another distillery, or then kind of bringing things in house, I mean 15 different products i I mean I can't believe it's going to be a wholesale
0: a one move you know kind of thing here. There, there's no way they could do it. They, you know, they wouldn't be able to put enough stuff away and have enough product aged just to keep up. So I, I'm sure it's not going to be an immediate turn. And the other thing with them is, is they do source LDI, but they source. You know, a lot of the basis, of some of their stuff is uh, Barton. Uh, they've they've sourced I know from Four Roses, so I mean they're you know they've they've gotten product from a lot of different places as well. So, you know that helps them to diversify the product uh, that they're putting out a lot. But I, I don't see them turning it over, uh, you know, in any quick time frame because they've got so many products. Plus, they were lucky. You know, they were one of the early entries in with LDI. You know, now every Tom, Deck and Harry is opening a distillery trying to get a you know trying to get product, but. I'm sure they've got a pretty good contract locked up. So, you know, I'm sure they have a steady supply, whereas a lot of guys are strangling right now.
3: Well, I can tell you, I was just over here thinking and crunching some numbers. I, I, I was watching. That. Yeah. So I had to text a friend of mine cause I wanted to get some actual raw data. So their original still, which was 250 gallons, if they were mm-hmm. to run it on a double run, meaning they were to cook it and then strip it in that, time frame which would take a full 24 hours they could produce one barrel of whiskey so that means they could only produce if they cooked every single day 300 and whatever barrels depending on how long they're open so with their 1600 gallon pot still you're looking at they could produce six barrels a day so Mm -hmm. open five days a week or whatever you can do that math but in my eyes with the way they're going right now they have no chance of producing all their own product to supply Utah, let alone the whole United States. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: you yeah. know. Well, it, and as you'll hear a little bit more, um, the nature of even a lot of the products that we're covering today, they are branded, 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 Brendan, <laughs> <brended>. Yeah, that's <laughs> correct. You're back at our <laughs> Japanese episode. Yes, okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> <clears throat> they oh, actually branded uh, branded. <laughs> yes, right. You see, a a t- Japanese Japanese a <laughs> uh, It's a bean. Uh, so <laughs> they, uh, you know, they actually are are utilizing you know products that from other people's recipes and and a lot of their blends and you know I usually when you see things moving between a contract distiller house and then bringing in house, you have that continuity of recipe. But I don't know how you're gonna do that with the blended, you know, products. You can't. You can't. I mean, many distillers have had that problem where they try to jump from something
3: they're purchasing to something they're making their own, and it's never going to taste the same. I mean, just to name a big, big brand that will see a massive uh, taste difference is going to be Bullet Bourbon. You know, going from Four Roses to their own distillery, you will see a massive taste change. It's just impossible to recreate. There's too many nuances with whiskey, still size, location, rack house, barrel, cooperage. I mean, there's just too many things that can change. When you move locations. It's enti-
0: yeah, it's entirely different. It's going to be entirely different. But I, I'm thinking to myself, they've got enough that is in storage that they own that's sitting at Four Roses they own. And my guess is they're going to start blending over time and slowly transition into 100% Diageo made spirits. Right. So yeah. It's you know they'll they'll bring us into it. If you get a bottle of it today versus a bottle of it 10 years now, it'll be entirely different. But if you buy a bottle every you know six weeks you're not going to notice the differences it slowly changes
3: yeah and we've seen that in the past with stuff like old fitzgerald oh. and products that have jumped many distilleries and been sold over time the taste profile changes <laughs> one yeah. of my favorite products that's changed over time was like old charter it changed oh, yeah. multiple multiple distilleries and you can taste a, a difference every time it
0: jumps ship Hmm. And the same thing happens in Scotland all the time. You know, as, as when they were going through their collapse of their whiskey industry and, you know, before their most recent boom, a lot of the smaller places that were, you know, not really making single malts under their own label, they were supplying one of the big blends. Well, some of these houses disappeared. So, you know, you've got these big blending houses scrambling, trying to find some other product to try and wow, keep that wow, wow. blend consistent. So, Absolutely. Hmm.
1: Well, I reckon we better be getting on the whiskey train right about now, Bob gets the honors of going over our sips ratings
0: for today. All right, we'll be tasting and discussing these whiskeys from High West and rating them with these sips ratings, plus our signature sounds. Uh, Here are those ratings now. Uh, Number one, give me a glass of water to wash out my mouth. water. We do have a lot making- of water here today, right? <laughs> yes, we do. You're making me miss our meat. Uh, uh, number two, nice. But what else do you have? <laughs> <laughs> no sound.
2: Well, isn't that nice?
0: There we go. Uh, number three, interesting. What was this again? Interesting. (laughs) Number four, let's keep this a secret to ourselves, pour me another.
2: That's classified.
0: And number five, oh my, I was unaware anything could be this good. Oh my goodness! Yes! 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 Well, interesting
1: discussion that we've all had so far, you know, on... um, All these uh, interesting products from uh, High West, and we're uh, hearing the train roll in right about now, and I think we're going to have to probably take a break. (laughs) You guys need some more whiskey, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Always. (laughs) Always. Well, let me get the cattle on here. Hey, welcome back from that train ride here out here in the wild, wild west. <laughs> <Yee-haw, howdy. laughs> My yee haw was a little slow there on the draw. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> hey, uh, you're back at uh, Sip Suds and Smokes. Today's Sip segment is talking about a flight of products from High West Distillers out of Park City, Utah. A lot of uh, great stuff for us to talk about.
2: Whip that that gerbil in So let's get right
1: to some fire water. Jason, I think my horse fell over because of all this heat. (laughs) 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 So we're going to cover these products one at a time with our tasting notes. But we'll uh, wrap up with our overall thoughts on the flight with time permitting for today. So those products, once again, are Boo Rye, Campfire, Rendezvous, uh, American Prairie, Double Rye, and Midwind. Midwinter's Nights Dram are the products that we're going to go over for today. So we're going to keep that same order, um, and uh, we're going to go around, taste each one of these, and offer up our tasting notes as well as our sip ratings. Up first, we're going to have Boo Rye, and Bob is going to give us our tasting notes and his rating on that product.
0: Uh, The Boo Rye uh, is a combination of nine-year-old bourbon uh, and rye whiskeys. Uh, that are aged 10 and 16 years respectively. Uh, the ratios of each whiskey in the blend aren't published. Uh, the original release caused quite a stir, quickly became a collector's item in the first release. Um, unlike the previous blends that they have made here, uh, this is a blend of different types of whiskeys. Uh, therefore, TTB classifies this as a blend of straight whiskies. It is a 9-year-old straight bourbon uh, from LDI-MGP, a 10-year-old straight rye from LDI-GMGP, a 16-year-old straight rye, also from LDI, and a 16-year-old straight rye from Barton Distillery. Um, it's it's a very interesting blend uh, I, I was lucky enough to get a taste of the first batch this one is, that we're tasting today is, is pretty close to that one um, picking up little bits of molasses little bits of caramel some coconut a little bit of sweet corn um, you get that bourbon sweetness up front and then uh, the back half of the palate is when the rye really starts to kick in um, it gets a little more intense Um uh, Dried spice finish on the end, um, I give it uh, three. three? How about that? Hmm,
1: interesting. What was that again? Jason, your uh, notes on Boo I said
3: the initial taste was of sweet corn. Um, to me, I know that the blend is a much older blend, but to me it tastes still a little young for some reason. It's, it's kind of got that corny taste to it, um, which is probably the Barton whiskey coming out. Um, but yeah, the finish is definitely of that rye taste and, um, I think it's good. It's not great. I think that I gave it a sips rating of a three.
1: Three as well. Hmm. Interesting. What was that again? Well, beast your tasting notes on boo rye.
2: Yeah, you know, I like this stuff. It's a good drinker. Um, I get a nice balance, definitely in the nose, that kind of butter popcorn thing. But then you get some of that mint. You get a little spice, a little vanilla, some of that good saddle leather. You know, I drink this stuff. I also gave it a three. Three as well. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What was that again? And my uh,
1: tasting notes here on Boo Rye are, yeah, I had a sweet start, a pepper spice, you know, thing definitely going on. Uh, a bit of a clean finish. Um, I was uh, a little surprised by that. My Sips rating for Bu Rai is a three as well. Interesting. Mm, interesting. What was that again? Where you have it, one product down and threes all the way around. Next up is going to be Campfire. And, uh, Bob, you did such a great job reading the description. I'm just going to let you keep doing that the rest of the episode. Uh. <laughs>
0: I might be able to handle that. We'll see. Uh, (laughs) Next up is a blend called Campfire. It's one of the most unusual blends in the market that I've ever had. Um, It consists of a blend of scotch, bourbon, and rye whiskeys. A lot of whiskey enthusiasts are fans of these individual types of whiskeys. I doubt anyone's ever tried to blend all three of them together. Um, It's designed to combine the strengths of each and allow each one of them to play off of the other. Uh, The sweet of the bourbon, the rye spice, and the smoke of the scotch uh, definitely create a very unique flavor profile. Uh, Again, the proportions eat whiskey in in this blend aren't disclosed, but it does consist of a uh, straight bourbon uh, from LDI, a straight rye whiskey from LDI, and a scotch whiskey. Uh, They don't disclose the source other than to say it is not from Iowa. Uh, all the whiskeys in it are five years old or older. Um, I remember the first time I tried this, um, I looked like the dog looking at the Victrola in the RCA ad. It just confused the hell out of me. It's one of those things that you, you, you taste it and there's that sweet immediately, and then you get that. Uh, rye spice in the back of your mouth which kind of messes you up and then as you uh, slowly breathe out you get that peat and uh, if, if you are a fan of all three of those individual types of whiskeys having all of that happen in your head at one time will blow your damn mind um uh, fruity nose, a little bit of caramel a little bit of butterscotch a little bit of toffee a um, little bit of nutmeg uh, tobacco smoke in the end um the smoke lingers, gives it a, a, a long finish. It's uh, it, it's one of those whiskeys. I, I try it and I I am not sure I like it. I'm not sure I love it. I, I'm just I, it confuses the hell out of me. Uh, sometimes it's I, I absolutely love it. Sometimes I just stare at it. Um, and I like to give it to somebody who has never had it before, just to see the look on their face. Um, but. Uh, I, it reminds me of uh, in the 80s when uh, the guys in Australia were doing the crazy blends with all the different grapes down there. Um, you know, I, I applaud them for the effort. It, it, it definitely is, uh, you know, if, you, if I told you I was going to make this, you'd say there's no way in heck you could make this work at all. It's going to be horrible. Um, I give it a three. How about that?
1: <laughs> hmm, interesting. What was that again? Well, good old boy, Jason, what do you think about uh, Campfire here?
3: well i'm gonna have to agree um with what he said uh it is very very interesting the first time you try it you're just like what the hell did i just put in my mouth (laughs) um but yeah it's sweet on the front it finishes like a like a scotch um to me i taste very little bourbon to me i taste very little rye it tastes like a malt whiskey it tastes like a scotch um and it is very very heavy on the peat I mean it's liquid smoke in there Mm -hmm. um This is one of those things where I'm torn between a one and a two. Um, So I'm going to give it a rating of a two. Um, And the reason is, is because it is so unique and so different. Now, I will say one thing that I have read is that there are a couple products coming out mainstream from some big producers that are very similar to this blending Kentucky bourbon with scotch. And I know Jim Beam's
1: coming out with one also. Mm -hmm. So such a a rating of two, nice. But what else do you have? And, uh, pieced. what did you think of
2: Campfire? All right. Well, I'm going to kick off the offensiveness in this episode and hopefully get myself banned from Southern Smokes. I wrote down a redneck in a kilt. <laughs> that, oh, uh, I like that. Um, it's, it hasn't gotten any more fashionable and it sure doesn't seem comfortable. Um, banned once again. Yeah. I've uh, I don't like this that. one.
1: I know exactly what that looks I like. I
2: really want to see a redneck in a kilt now. <laughs> We've had him with the show. <laughs> Uh, I love all these parts and I don't, I don't love them together. I love bourbon. I, lo- I love Pete. That's my thing. But uh, these things are just bouncing around. I have a funny story about this one. The first time I tasted this, I was with David Perkins. It was in my glass where at one of these whiskey shows. And I heard a rumor that Jim Rutledge over at Four Roses was going to break open his 125th anniversary small batch. So, So we were excited about that. So David and I walked over there with our glasses. I said, oh, Jim, I hear you're, you're opening your new bottle. Can I get a sip? And he goes, oh, of course. You know, we're excited about this one. I hold out my glass, and he just goes, <laughs> smells it. And he, he, he puts down his head, and he gives David this glare that could just curdle cottage cheese. And uh, he so he dumps it. He rinses it out with water, smells it again. Mm-mm dumps it rinses it out with water (laughs) he eventually had to rinse the glass out with his own four roses yellow label just to get that peat out of there so it would be tolerable enough for him to pour his bourbon in there Mm -hmm. um i gave this a two um i i I agree it's 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 creative david's a tinkerer i love that but uh, this is a little sacrilegious for me it loses the the real straight nice nice nice. sweet of the bourbon and the the peat's just banging against it in, in not a great way Hmm. so subrating sip's rating of two
3: well isn't that nice
2: nice but what else do you have <clears throat> well so uh, my tasting
1: notes here on uh, Campfire um, you know the first thing I wrote down was just kind of a strange smoky nose um, you have really had a, <laughs> such a broad range of things with smoke on it um, so many different varieties of peat you know with all the scotch um, but there was just something about this that was a little unusual um, the thing that reminded me of is oddly it's corsairs triple smoke and i think it's just because watching people's reaction you know to that is that they make so many other you know bourbon tennessee whiskey you know style products and then they have this very you know heavy smoky product i think that it's just kind of catches people off guard and i think that's kind of where you know i think this particular product lands i think it's um i I wrote down a very polarizing you know product as well um it's very strange blend um well i'm gonna call this the frankenstein you know product (laughs) um and you know it's is a scotch is bourbon you know and and i think because we've tasted so many of those products to have them welded together like this really i think is your palate's not prepared you know for it um so I think, uh, I think for people that probably taste a lot of products like us, I think it's very easy for us to look at it and, and try and divide and conquer it and categorize it and, you know, um, put it in a box. But I think for maybe an average consumer where they only have maybe four or five things, you know, on their cabinet, um, this might be something that they love to just, you know, break out and give them to an in-law that they don't like. <laughs> 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 for sure oh. i love to hate it
3: <laughs> yep hey this is really good will you drink the rest of this for yep, me Yep.
1: i can already hear the music playing down <laughs> <laughs> something's about to go down well if i had to put my uh, bet on um uh what the blend is i'm gonna say it's space side glen uh glenmorangie I think that's what uh, this is blended with. So, we'll see. The 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 other word I wrote down besides uh, Frankenstein was, uh, this is the distiller's (laughs) boilermaker. What's in that? Uh, Just a a, a whole bunch of stuff in there. (laughs) What was left? (laughs) Yeah. So, well, with all that, uh, my SIPs rating for Campfire is going to be a three.
2: Interesting.
1: Well, next up is going to be Rendezvous and Bob's going to introduce
0: this product for us as well. All right. Rendezvous is a uh, blend of uh, two straight rye whiskeys, both of them high rye mash bills, a 16-year-old rye and a 6-year-old rye. Um, this one gives it a much more pronounced rye punch because it's, uh, it's a much higher rye uh, recipe than the other uh, one that they do, which is their double rye. It's a six-year-old LDI, which is uh, 95% rye, 5% barley, and then a 16-year-old from Barton, which is 80% rye, uh, 10 corn, and 10 barley malt. Um, on this one, I, I, I got, uh, on the nose, I got cinnamon, uh, vanilla, a little bit of peppermint, uh burned sugar uh caramel um a little bit of green apple um on the taste definitely spicy uh picked up some cinnamon mint um caramel molasses a little cocoa a little candied fruit in the back end uh, a lot of rice spice on the end um definitely like this one uh i gave this one a three
2: interesting
0: a three hmm interesting what was that again well, I'd give it a three
1: and a half, but you won't let me do halves. So. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> good boy, Jason. Uh, how did you like Rendezvous?
3: You know, I tasted it, and I, I think we were talking when I tasted it. This was the first one of their products that just tasted like straight LDI rye to me. I don't know why, but it just reminded me of Dickel Rye that from that MGP tasting that we did. Um, so I... Gave it a sips rating of a two. Um, I said it tastes green and too young, and I'm when we found out that it had sixteen year old whiskey in it, I was shocked.
1: Mm. A sips rating of two. Nice. Mm, nice, but what else do you have? Beast,
2: uh tell us your tasting notes here on Rendezvous. Oh, I don't agree with those last comments, my friend. Um this is a good rye. I really like this stuff. You can t- t- taste that old Barton rye, which is nice, and it's got that vanilla thing going on. It's mint. It's cinnamon. It's uh, It's got a little char to it. Uh, I really dig this one. I'll drink this all day. It's a nice, high, punchy, spicy, uh, just good drink. I gave this one a four.
1: Four? How about the... Let's keep this secret to ourselves. Pour me another... So, uh, my tasting notes here on Rendezvous are going to be, um, you know, I, I found that this was so similar to, uh, you know, the Double Rye, which we're actually going to talk about right after this. Um, oh, I'm sorry, in a couple. Um, I'm going to reserve my tasting notes uh, to because they cross over between the two, but I will tell you my Sips rating for Rendezvous is also going to be a three That's as interesting. well. Mm, interesting. What was that again? Well, so you know, I think let's just change up a little bit of the order that, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier because the two things are so close to each other. I didn't want to give it away. So uh, so let's actually talk about Double Rye, um, you know, here right back to back. So Bob, why don't you lead off and tell us what's the difference between Rendezvous and, and
0: Rye and the Rendezvous? Yeah. Uh, Well, the main difference is is the component parts is blended. They're both a rye whiskey made of a combination of two separate rye whiskeys, whereas the other one was a 6 and a 16-year-old. This is a 2-year-old and a 16-year-old. It's also Barton is the 16, but this is a much lower rye content Barton, Um, and the 2-year-old is a 95.5 rye from LDI. Um, You know, you... This one, I, I, I like the Rendezvous a little bit more than this one. Um, but this one, you, you definitely get that uh, young flavor, of the LDI. It comes out. Uh, the rye punch uh, is definitely a lot more there. Um, I pick up from the young rye. You get that uh, almost uh, that botanical juniper, uh, evergreen eucalyptus. Uh, sort of uh, nose to it um, the rye is definitely present up front uh... i still pick up in the in, in the mouth feel the mint, the eucalyptus, a little bit of honey um, sort of a licorice toward the end and just a a touch of wood smoke um, this one is definitely a, a spirit that you're it, it's driven by the young one that's in it uh... you can definitely tell that that is the predominant one in the blend um, you know it's it's definitely a, a a serviceable drink um i've drank it many times um i give it a 3 hmm. how about that
1: interesting hmm, interesting what was that again uh jason uh, what do you think about uh, double rye
3: well, I'm I'm with you. I see a lot of similarities, um, and I will say that I tasted them back to back both times. The Rendezvous has a little bit more sweetness, but I mean, it's so small that you can barely tell a difference. Um, and to me, what that what that says that the difference between a two year old LDIRI and a and a six year old LDIRI is not that much, um, which is why I am. Um, under the principle that you don't really make great whiskey out West, you make better whiskey down South where there's a lot more temperature variations and the difference between a two-year-old whiskey and a six-year-old whiskey could really be the difference between a bottom shelf and a top shelf. Um, whereas in this you really can't tell a whole lot of difference. So I gave this a sips rating of a two. Hmm. Um, well, and I basically said it was, it just tasted very young. It tasted very green
1: to me again. Hmm. Um, so, Beast, what do
2: you think about uh, Double Rye and maybe some of the variation off of Rendezvous as well? You know, I actually thought these two couldn't be more different. Um, ah. I, I really liked the Rendezvous; I thought it was it had a little maturity to it. Um, now, granted, I'm trying to qualify these. If you're going to compare this to a 23 year old, you know, uh, Rittenhouse or uh, one of the old Willet uh, Dugs or something like that, these are not masterful rides. But I really did like the Rendezvous, Double Rye. Um, I wouldn't have even thought this was a rye nosing it. It's got this vegetal, weird sort of palm thing going on, oily smell to it that's not pleasing. Um, It's hot but weak, which is not a great combination. Um, I was between a 1 and a 2. I gave it a 2 because it's not swill, but I really didn't care for it. And I'm pretty sure I could pick these out a mile apart, even without even tasting them. Hmm. So what's your sips rating then on double rye? Uh, I did give it the 2 because it's not swill, but I was one had had gone through my head <laughs> a two well, is that
1: nice?
3: <clears throat>
2: nice but what else do you have
1: well so you know i, I kind of reserved you know a bit of my tasting notes kind of cutting between the two because i really thought you know they were so close to each other i mean i personally i really could not tell a whole lot of difference between the two i thought that it was lots of pepper and rye had a you know spicy you know kind of average finish you know to it all um and uh i don't know i just uh I don't know that I really preferred one over the other. It was, like I said, very difficult for me to distinguish between the two. So I had exactly the same Sips rating for this as I did for Rendezvous, which was a three. Interesting. Mm, Interesting. What was that again? Well, very interesting blends, you know, back-to-back. And, you know, I love, you know, Jason, you were kind of noting that, you know, what is the variation between, you know, a two-year-old ride from LDI and the six? And, you know, really, what does that do?
3: Yeah, And I mean, I... I just don't think that it ages that fast out there, so there's not a lot of difference between a 2 and a 6. Oh, but it's not aging out there. It's aging in Indiana. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm talking about. In Indiana, there's not a lot of temperature variance.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about about Utah.
1: No, 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 no. Well, I hear the roundup coming along once again. So uh, listen, we're going to round up the cowpokes here, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a second. Welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. Today, we're having a Sips show on High West Distillery out of Park City, Utah, is what we're talking about today. Lots of interesting products, and we're having lots of fun with all of our Western gear. (laughs) Got your chaps on, right, Jason? Cowboy hat. (laughs) Well, you better settle up next, because we're going to be talking
0: about American Prairie. Bob, tell us all about this. All right. American Prairie is a blend of two straight bourbons. It's named after the American Prairie Reserve in Montana. It's a 5,000-square-mile land tract the size of Connecticut. It's been restored to back in the old days when Lewis Clark would have seen it. Um, It's the largest wildlife preserve in the lower 48 states, and high-west donates 10% of their after-tax profits of each bottle to the American Prairie Foundation. Uh, The two bourbons used to make this are a six-year-old bourbon made from LDI. It's a 75 corn, 20 rye, 5 barley malt. And a 10-year-old bourbon made by Four Roses, uh, 60 corn, 35 rye, and a 5 barley malt. Um, Got a lot of citrus, a little bit of cherry, a little lemon on the nose, a little candy. I like this one a lot. A little bit of cocoa in there. definitely a floral nose um this one i liked uh, just a very bit of uh, spice in it a little bit of pecan um uh, gave this one a three hmm, a three how about that
2: interesting.
1: Hmm, interesting what was that again uh jason what do you think about uh, american prairie
3: um i said it was very light Um, it's definitely we're kind of leaning more towards the uh, bourbon compared to all the rest of them which was definitely a lot more rye spice with that green rye taste Um, this one's very interesting to me i definitely can taste the ldi um, bourbon a lot more than the four roses Um, if i was to think about the 10 year old four roses bourbon the 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 only thing that really comes to mind that this kind of resembles is like the 10-year-old bullet. Um, it's kind of very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave this a Sips rating of a 3. Mm, interesting. Um, but I, I, I think it this has the most uh, potential to me of all the ones we've tasted so far. I think that um, maybe if this one was blended and then rebarreled, this one could be a very interesting product.
2: Mm.
1: And your sip's rating was th- a three. three that's we said,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. interesting.
1: What was that again? Well, um, uh, Beast, what do you think about uh, American Prairie? Or?
2: Yeah, it's it's an interesting whiskey. On the nose, it smells like those now and later candies that smell real great and crack your teeth <laughs> open. Um, overripe melons, very sweet. Kind of, um, it's. I don't think it's not for me. Although I could see the appeal. Um, tastes very young. I don't really get the much of a 10-year f- Four Roses off of this, which is one of my favorite drinkers. Um, I, I gave it a two. How huh, about that?
3: Well, isn't that nice?
2: Nice, but what else do you have?
1: And, you know, I had a similar reaction to this. You know, it was kind of hot, semi-sweet. Um, you know, there was some citrus overtone kind of on the nose. Um, I was thinking it was probably orange. Um was my best guess. But um, I did not like this. Um, nearly as much as uh, some of the other things Um, I mean I admire the you know what they decided to create but uh, this didn't do it for me as well as some of the others my sips rating is a 2 for this
3: nice Nice,
1: but what else do you have well next up is going to be Midwinter's Night's Dram this is a very interesting product Bob tell us all about this product today
0: all right. It's uh, named after Shakespeare's *A Midsummer Night's Dream*. Um, if you went to high school, you were forced to read Shakespeare like the rest of us. Um, the first bottling this debuted on Valentine's Day in 2014. Um, it's a fairly limited release. Uh, starts with Rendezvous Rye, which is then finished in used port barrels and uh, new French oak barrels. The port barrels, I believe, are Quady Port from California. Um, there's a number of producers out there that are experimenting with barrel finishes, uh, Maker's Mark, uh, I know Wes really well. Uh, they, you know, they're doing a lot of port cast finishes and whatnot. Um, this one is one of the earlier entries into the, uh, slate of barrel finished whiskeys. It's, uh, like I said, it's, 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 it's already, uh, you already know what the proportions are because it started out with the Rendezvous Rye. It's a six-year-old straight rye and a 16-year-old straight rye from Barton, um, This one, I actually had the good fortune to try this at Whiskey Fest in New York. Um, It would be uh, October of 2013 before it had actually been released. Uh, A friend of mine had uh, met David Perkins uh, a few months earlier, and we we were at the show, and uh, I I said, you know, this guy meets people for a living. He's not going to remember. He meets people all day. We walked in. We're 20 feet away from him. He turns. He sees my buddy, and he goes, Jeff, and calls us over pushes everybody out of the way, spent probably 30 minutes talking to us and ignoring the salespeople that were there. Um, and then after that time, he said, I really want you to try something. He pulls out a sample bottle with a plain white paper label written in marker and uh, poured us some. And uh, I said, what's this? And he goes, well, we don't have a name for it yet. We're just using a working name now. What's the working name? Uh, the working name was Bug Juice, which <laughs> I, I, I said that's perfect leave it don't change it but uh, I, I gotta admit a midwinter night's dram is is is, is a better name um, this is w- my favorite whiskey of all that they make I it's uh, I mean the the first time I tried it the first thing I thought is this is like Christmas in a bottle it's like a giant Christmas pudding in a glass uh, I still can't believe that if you Take the rendezvous red that we've already tasted. What they get out of it uh, just by aging it in a couple of different barrels—vanilla um, and caramel and cinnamon—it's uh, mulled spice, dried fruit. Um, It's—it's it, it's remarkable what they're able to pull out of uh, of just you know some simple barrel aging. I, I, I give this one a four. Hmm. I'm about that. Let's keep
1: the secret to ourselves. Poor me and other. Jason, what do you think of Midwinter's Night's Dram? Well,
3: it's really interesting. I'm going to kind of agree with him a lot. Um, I think that other than the straight 16-year-old and the 21-year-old that I was fortunate enough to try that we're not um, tasting today, this is their best on-the-shelf product. Um, And I gave this a rating of a 4. I think it has... Uh, great spice I think that the uh, French oak adds a lot of creaminess to it that is really um, gives it like a really great mouthfeel um, and I've been fortunate enough to try multiple different releases of this and I, I think it really is their best product and I and I honestly believe that this is the first product that they've released that I could actually appreciate the the blending and the distilling off um you know i've never been a fan of just taking two products somebody else made pouring them together and then calling it your own this to me feels like the distiller put his own flair put his own flavor profile
1: in it and i appreciate that mm. so the sips rating a
2: four That's let's keep coming.
1: the secret to ourselves pour me another beast what do you think about midwinter's night's dram
2: yeah you know it's interesting there i'm not a fan of barrel finished ryes. uh you know angels envy put their rye which is normally okay in a caribbean rum barrel and made it you know Tastes like bubble gum. It's nasty. Um, Hudson put their rye in a um, maple syrup barrel. I think it's on the menu at Denny's now. Um, not good. Uh, Will it put their delicious <laughs> rye into some kind of an orange liqueur? Like it was a Grand Marnier or something like that. Uh, you know, tasted like they just dumped some stale sugar and, and some orange rinds in there. It was not good. Yee-haw, this one's this one's <laughs> this one's really good though. You know, I wouldn't have even picked out that it was port. Um, it just gives it a real nice round warm thing it brings out a little vanilla Um, I was you know I was between a three and a four on the rendezvous this one I toyed around with giving it a five it's not a a great whiskey but it's very good I I gave it a solid four solid four
1: let's keep this secret to ourselves pour me another well uh, my tasting notes on this uh, were I wrote down uh, almost the presentation you know how it is it kind of has a a sweet pepper start Um, then it has it's kind of spicy in the middle and you taste a little bit of some of the rye and then it has it finishes with kind of a sweet finish to it um it's very complex and there's a lot of layers you know in this and you know i think the the one thing that caught me in the description which i did not read before tasting it by the way um was the uh, the introduction of rum uh a rum barrel you know over a rye whiskey I think really softens a lot of the harsh pepperness that a lot of people you know for people that don't like rye whiskey um and the same way that uh you know angels envy you know drops you know some of their products in rum i think that's the reason why it's had a lot of appeals because that sweetness and the softness that it creates you know around the whiskey itself i think really helps to hit a non-traditional audience i mm-hmm. think for those products and so you know i think probably the thing that i was thinking about um all of this was are you going to be able to pull this off again uh, because when i really look at the number of things that are involved to really make this make it consistently this really strikes me as something that may have a product lifespan that may not be you know incredibly long um, because the access into Angel's Envy cask is probably going to come at a real premium you know for them to be able to make this you know time and time again so do I think that this is really good it's really good Um, but I really wonder how this product is going to evolve over time you know five years from now um, ten years from now will it taste the same as what we had today I think that'll be the real trick. Um I think it could even be better uh, than it is today. I think there's definitely still some some room, you know, on that layering, you know, of the flavors itself, but I have to say I was with beast. I was kind of lingering. I'm like I this is really good. I it's, you know, I don't give up, you know, the top until something just really has to blow me away. But at the same time, you know, I can really see a lot of people enjoying this. This is going to hit a very broad audience. So um, I did knock it back down. My SIPs rating for Midwinter's Night stream is going to be a four. That's classified. Let's keep the secret to ourselves. Pour me another. And I had that same kind of feeling. I was lingering for a bit more of this, you know, even after I finished it. And I think that that's the reason why it's pretty easy for me to see that is going to have a lot of appeal to a broad range Mm -hmm. you know of people
3: Hmm. and i'll say touching on what you just said um there have been multiple batches of this and they do taste very different Mm -hmm. um they basically call them acts Mm -hmm. so act 1.1 was very different than what we're trying right now um they're all very very different Yeah. yeah
0: well it's the components going in are different i mean the you know the good thing is is the port barrels that they're getting they're sourcing from california the yeah, the those are the, States. the French limousin Oak, they're new barrels so they you know that's not going to be a problem they you know they get those you know they just have to pay for them you know it's the product that goes in and you know blending that out right to get the right taste and 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 like you guys said yeah i've I've had pretty much every release they've had and they are all different i mean they're all very similar, Um, but, you know, there is definitely variation from batch to batch, but that being said, every batch I've had has been, you know, stellar. But if, if you really want something to push you from a four to a five, I will point out that what you're drinking now is Act 1.0. This one came straight from the gift shop on the day of release. I had, oh, there you go. I had a friend bring me a few back, so, uh, drink up, cause this is the last bottle I got. <laughs>
3: That's oh. probably why I liked it so much because I've I've tried Act Two points I I don't know I get them I all damn confused but yeah know. I've tried Two Point something and it was not nearly as good as this one was
1: yeah. what was it uh, Sarasota Bob which which version was there uh, I think it was Two Point One because hmm. I went back and read my tasting notes and it wasn't nearly as favorable as mm-hmm. what we had today
3: this one's a lot more creamier than the other releases yep. have been
1: yeah. Well, uh, we only have a couple more minutes left here, so I'm curious what you guys thought about the overall flight.
0: Um, we'll start with you, Bob. Um, you know, I, you know, it's not a secret, I'm a fan of their products. Um, they, you know, they make very decent stuff. Um, some of it is exceptional. Um, overall, they don't have anything that I've ever had that I would call a clunker, which, you know, anybody that has 15 or 16 products usually has one or two that are just not in my flavor wheelhouse. Um, you know they're they're doing interesting stuff with what they've got in hand um, they're doing some interesting work with the stuff that they're making so I'm, I'm you know I'm excited for the future you know what they've got Jason, what do you think of the flight
3: um, interesting, very very interesting, and I can tell you that um, I have a lot of people that call me and ask me for recommendations of whiskey all the time. And I actually recommended this whiskey to somebody very recently. A big scotch drinker, wanted to get into bourbon, loves smoke. And I said, you know what? You need to go try some High West products.
1: And, um, Sorry, I was just I was shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> but, you
3: know, their products to me do not taste like a normal bourbon. They don't taste like a normal rye. They no. taste like... A Scotch drinker was trying to make a bourbon right? and that's that's where I see the little niche that they found and you know I think it's a great niche to hold it's it's very similar to the Corsair niche you know that's going to smoke everything yep. so you know interesting, not my cup of tea um I definitely do not um as you say, own any of these bottles except for one of them. And I definitely try to pawn it off onto people when they come over to my house. Um, but interesting. And I do think over the next five to 10 years, you will see a lot of interesting things come out of them.
1: So, uh, I'm curious what you thought about the flight.
2: Yeah. You know, I think I agree with Jason there. I mean, the only one of these that I would probably recommend to someone to buy a bottle would be the dram the midwinter night's dram i thought that was excellent excellent if we were in a bar i think the rendezvous is a solid order i don't know that i would go seek one out and the rest and the borai maybe is as somebody who's kind of not into huge flavors but just wants something very smooth i think that's an interesting one a little disappointed by a couple of these the double the prairie the campfire not really my thing uh but you, know, you gotta love david and what he's doing uh it's, it's a cool attitude he's been super nice i've bumped into a bunch of times and and uh you know th- there's a few solid products here so i think i think he needs to keep working at it mm. well very interesting round
1: of products and uh, i have one, one last thing to finish this up here which is this to you two gentlemen inventive brilliant courageous
0: we'll drink to that because it's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I toast all of you gentlemen for this discussion, so let's wrap up our episode for today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and you can catch all of our episodes online as well, anytime, on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, PRX, and Spreaker, our native media host iTunes and our own Android app are the easiest ways to enjoy this show on your phone. Just search for Sips Suds Smoke on your iTunes or in the Google Play Store, and you'll find us right there. We love your feedback, and you can reach us online anytime at info at smokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day. Our handle on Twitter is at Sips Suds Smoke. And our Facebook page is definitely always buzzing with lots of news. Listen, do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode. If you're listening to us online, that's a great big help to us. And we would see your feedback as well. So, Bob, exactly what does a made man do?
0: Whatever the Godfather tells me to do.
1: Vito, <laughs> bring me another dram. I mean, when winners, not the dram, okay? It's very good. <laughs> Leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you for joining us always once again. Absolutely, a pleasure to be here. Smoky Beast is a blog that Steve authors, and I've been a big fan for years. And uh, oh, Thank you, sir. Steve, uh, tell our audience all about Smokey Beast.
2: Oh, sure, thanks for the kind words. Actually, my, my wife and I write this, Mrs. Beast and myself. Uh, we have a four-year-old, and when she was born, we found ourselves not... Uh, living the nightlife we once did so we started a little tradition on Sunday nights we get a nice bottle we both loved whiskey it was actually her idea to start writing down our notes and then we started publishing them and uh, we've gotten a lot of great feedback a lot of generous folks help us out and so we've uh, built quite a collection of bottles and notes and reviews and interviews and uh, we hope some of you check it out and enjoy it but uh, Mike thanks so much for having me today this was a ball and hope to do it again well thank you
0: for being here Steve most definitely so what you're saying is, children having children makes you great. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, yes. Well, yeah. personally, I would say you
1: had really bad. would really brother, bad cable TV. But
0: you know, I was just going to keep that to myself. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so much for that. Mm, absolutely. You can, you can always see Barney so many times before you reach. I for a agree. You should combine so. Bob's Add the cannoli into the
1: equation, and you know I think you'll have a makings of a, a good session with a, a cannoli and whiskey for sure. Jason, always a pleasure to have you here at the table. Thanks for joining us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Well, uh, thank you all for joining us on this episode. We'll ask you to come back once again and keep on sipping.